it's time to scale your business for freedom for you and amazing client results. Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm Ellie, ex-corporate marketer turned CEO, seven-figure business coach and mastermind mentor for coaches, creatives and consultants like you. I know you're committed to scaling your business and creating the time and financial freedom you most want, while also being the best in your industry with a reputation to match. I've coached over 1,000 women to make six, multi-six and seven figures using my signature Swift marketing method. And in this podcast, I'll teach you the strategy, marketing and mindset to help you do the same. Let's dive in. Hi fam, welcome back to another episode of Shine Online with Ellie Swift and a big welcome to you if this is your first ever episode that you're listening to of the podcast right now. I have a feeling that there's going to be quite a few people who are listening to this episode for the first time and they've never been here before. So a big welcome to you if that is you. This is an episode that I plan on sharing really far and wide to tell a very different type of story to the stories that you're usually hearing on this podcast, which is of course a business podcast. But this is a deeply personal journey that I have thought about sharing with you for the last two and a half years uh, and wanted to share with you for the last two and a half years. And I honestly cannot believe that we're finally here. And before I go into it, I just want to let you know briefly, or I just want to put a trigger warning on this story. So In this story, both part one and part two, there is mention of pregnancy loss. This is a story of extended conception. There is a very brief mention of suicide, not my own (laughs) or not my own desires. And of course, you know, a a journey of IVF. um, And as I mentioned, extended conception. So I just wanted to put that trigger warning on this and I'll do so on part two as well. This is not a story of, I want to take you through a process where I had the very best mindset. Although this was definitely the biggest mindset journey I've ever been on in my life. This is a story of, hey, I've navigated something really, really hard for the last couple of years and I've kept it really private because I've needed to. And for the first time ever, I want to bring you in and I want to share it with you. This is a story of, a really hard journey, a genetic condition, a physical journey, a spiritual journey, so much grief and being pushed to emotional edges. And as somebody who is a very positive person, (laughs) I already just have the most intense vulnerability hangover in sharing this with you because there's not a lot of joy in this episode. There's not a lot of silver linings on the road through while there is a happy ending. It's a sad journey. Like there's just no way of sugarcoating it. It's been really hard. And again, it's something that I wanted to take you through. There were two ways I could have told this story. The first is that I could have, you know, done it in five minutes and you would have no understanding of the journey itself, the context. It wouldn't have felt like I'd brought you into anything personal or the way that I'm going to tell it, which is the deep start to end. This is what life looks like, looked like behind the scenes for me for the last two and a half years. 
this is everything that I haven't shared. This is why I haven't shared it. And I really wanted to do this because I have missed this level of connection with you. I cannot tell you how much I've missed it. And I already just feel this deep sense of relief in my body in being able to express and speak in this way because I haven't been able to share it for so long. I want this to be an episode where, you know, obviously if anyone is listening who is going through their own extended conception journey, I hope you feel so seen in this. I wish this episode existed. I'm sure it does, but I never found it for someone like me. I hope that if you're listening to this and you have any besties or family members going through extended conception, that this is going to really help give you a deeper level of insight into what they're navigating. And if you're somebody who's just going through a hard time, I hope that this supports you so much on your journey because, you know, as somebody who's running a business, you are going to experience hard times and maybe you're wondering or worried right now about what that's going to look like for you when that time comes. Having been through what I've been through and now being, you know, I guess on the other side, I just know that you really can do things you never thought you would have to do or be in and run a business. I I believe that to my core and I hope this inspires you. So with that, let's, let's go there. Let's dive into this journey, which starts back in March, 2021. So if I take you back to March, 2021, Che and I had just got married. So Che, of course, being my husband, we had just gotten married, been together for seven years at this point, And I have always wanted to have a family you know, I was never the person that was like, oh, maybe one day, I'm not sure. Like I have always wanted to be a mama more than anything else in this world. In fact, about two years into our relationship, I nearly left Che because he just couldn't fully commit to me and tell me that he wanted to be a dad. And so I essentially gave him an ultimatum like, hey, you know, I'm in my later twenties. Like I just, I need you to tell me if this is something that you're going to want to, because if it's not, I'm out of here. And, you know, we, we had that conversation and I knew that he wanted to be a dad as well. And it was just a case of allowing himself to fully own that. You know, at this point we're married seven years in, we're very ready to be parents. We were so excited about this next chapter. We also knew that we wanted to do it, you know, the right way for us. So I'm 31 at this point in our journey in March, 2021, Che is 37 and we go to our naturopath and we decided to do preconception planning. So that essentially looks like, you know, getting all your levels tested. Maybe you've been through it before as well and making sure that you're in optimal health. Che got his sperm tested and was told that his sperm count was good to go. We got all of our, you know, everything from iron levels to hormone levels to thyroid to everything else tested. So my relationship to my menstrual cycle at this point was that I'd always had longer cycles. So I had a bit of an inkling that things could be a little bit different for me because of that. But I knew from tracking my cycles, which I'd done for about 18 months prior, that I always still ovulated. So I knew that I ovulated based on symptoms that I had. And conversely, I'd also started being visited by this little girl in my dreams. And so I thought, you know, maybe we are actually closer than I thought. I just 
held this like full hope and optimism combined with the knowledge that I might have to play with my cycles a little bit. And it was basically like two months after we got married that we started trying. So my cycles at this point were anything from about 30 to 60 days in length, more often than not around 45. My reference point is that basically all of my girlfriends in my inner circle fell pregnant really quickly. So I know that IVF is obviously something that's really common. In fact, you know, one in every four couples will go through some sort of journey to have a baby. My worldview and my reference was not that. Most of my inner circle girlfriends fell pregnant first try. In terms of my, again, my inner inner circle, my girlfriend who had the longest journey was she experienced nine months of extended conception. And a lot of that was because she'd only just gone off the pill. Again, I know this isn't the case for a lot of friendship groups, but that was my reference point. So there was a lot of like, oh, I'll be, of course I'll be pregnant next cycle. In June of that year, my brother and sister-in-law fell pregnant and they were, you know, again, this example that I had all around me of like, they weren't even trying. And of course I was thrilled for them. And also, you know, these stories permeating my entire worldview became quite challenging. I started thinking, okay, like what's wrong with me? Why, why can't we fall pregnant this quickly? Now at this initial stage in the journey, Che was still working offshore, fly in, fly out. Um, And about two months after our wedding, I just had this really strong intuitive knowing of, I really think you need to come back home. And, And look, this, this wasn't like me feeling like it was time for him to quit his job that he desperately enjoyed. He'd been feeling a little bit worried about his long-term health with shift work and he was feeling a pull to come back to working at home as well. And we made the decision that he would work in the business and also build um, like a side product-based business, which we'd planned to do for a while. This business ended up like not being a long-term plan, but it was an epic season of work and it just gave us the opportunity to bring him home, have him in the business. And it was really supportive for me to have him do that. So he came home and really threw himself into getting out of shift work and making sure that his body was again in optimal health as well. You know, we have always been incredibly healthy, but it was like, we took it to another level. We were you know, the people who had a really strict routine about when we woke up, when we went to bed, really strict morning routine, really strict routine around the types of food that we ate. Che in particular decreased the amount of alcohol that he drank. We took things to like a whole new level. And it was around this time that one of our family members on Che's side also became really unwell and we had just a, a horrible close call and Che was really on the front line navigating that. And I share that, you know, just to illustrate that for us during this time, there was so much happening in our life that felt really big and quite challenging while we were also desperately trying to focus on our well-being and bringing this baby into the world. My naturopath, so my naturopath I'm going to talk about so much and I just want to shout her out, Natalie Douglas. Nat is a past client, friend who's become naturopath, probably knows more about my body than my husband at this point. (laughs) 
I just love her so much and I will speak about her with just so, so much love and gratitude throughout this whole journey because her role has been so massive. So she told me that she suspected I had PCOS based on the fact that I am estrogen dominant. And, you know, despite doing everything that I could to try and heal it naturally, I just didn't seem to be getting anywhere. But we decided to see out the end of the year trying naturally before we made any other decisions. So we just went so hard on our health. Like we were both taking like up to 20 vitamins a day. I was doing chiropractic, acupuncture, seeing my naturopath constantly. I did a lot of work with spiritual healers during this time too. So like making sure I was supported at every level. We were optimizing our nervous systems, exercising, taking the best, best care of ourselves. And then in September of that year, so we're still in 2021 at this point, we kind of got to this point where my mental health really started suffering. This was the start of the end in terms of, you know, it being a really, really dark time. I've never before this point personally experienced any kind of depression. And I felt that for the first time in September, 2021. You know, we'd, we'd started trying at a time when I was so, so ready for a baby. And there was this biological need for me that just felt like so deep. It was this yearning, like my biological clock was so ready and yet I couldn't bring forth my baby. And we obviously shared this only with family and a small inner circle and very well-meaning people in our world would say, oh, you know, it's so hard for a high performer like you because it's a lack of control and having to surrender. And, you know, on some level, yes, that's true. But one thing that I'll say about extended conception is that if you truly deeply want to be a mama, that desire is so innate that the depth of pain is so much more than just feeling out of control. It's this like, physical desire that makes every part of your heart ache. There's this lack of congruence where you feel like at every single level, you're supposed to be a mama, but you're not. And I started feeling so sad. You know, it was a whole new way of living in my brain that I'd never felt. We also weren't traveling, which was our favorite thing to do before COVID because flying, you know, messed with my menstrual cycle, which is not uncommon for a lot of people. So I was depressed. Che was not far behind me. <laughs> we weren't traveling. I was feeling really bored and sad and we, we needed something to help us. So, you know, what do you do when you desperately want to be a mama, but you can't seem to bring a baby through? you get a dog. And for anyone that's been um, in my world for the last couple of years, you will know it was about two and a half years ago that we got our darling puppy, Olive. So in September, we were looking after Che's brother and my sister-in-law, you know, on that side's dog, Maple, when they went to hospital to birth their baba, who was Premie, our darling niece. So we had Maple for about a week. And yes, if it sounds like our entire family was starting to have babies, that's because they were. And I just kept trusting that it was a sign that our baby was close. But I won't lie and say that it wasn't incredibly challenging when you know, all the family joy was centered around pregnancy and new babies. And I found 
so much of that incredibly challenging and I'll, I'll keep talking a little bit more about that during this journey. So we had Maple for a little bit over a week and knew immediately that we had to get a dog. (laughs) We started the hunt, you know, everyone told us that getting a Groodle, which was the type of breed that we wanted, would take a while. But by what I know was just completely the work of the universe, our darling little Groodle Olive arrived in our home in November 2021. A little Virgo puppy, just like me. A manifesting generator, (laughs) lol, I know that's so funny to talk about human design uh, in the context of a dog, but just like me and just like our meant to be dog in every single way, like the minute I laid eyes on this dog, I knew she was ours and she brought so, so much joy to Che and I in what was starting to feel like a really dark time. In fact, I just... I just actually can't even describe how much this tiny little furry puppy has gotten me through the last few years outside of Che. This dog has just been my sidekick, my little bestie. Um, you know, in fact, when when I cry, she cries. <laughs> I'm not joking. So, you know, we saw out the end of that year feeling like slightly more joyful because we had our new puppy she filled this void that we really needed in that time. And with no baby here yet, we decided that we'd book in with our GP in the new year and kick off next steps to potentially get the support of Western medicine. So we'd closed out 2021 at this point. We're at the end of 2021, kicking off 2022, feeling sad, deflated, but you know, reasonably optimistic. Like there's a road ahead. We're going to bring in our baby. Of course, 2022 is going to be a better year. So we start the first quarter of 2022. We started that first quarter of the year with our first bout of COVID because, of course, it was just that time in history. And I really feel for anyone who's been through extended conception during COVID, it just added this whole other layer. And I started becoming actually incredibly isolated for fear of exposing myself and ourselves when we just so badly wanted to be pregnant. I wasn't going out as much. I was home a lot. I was saying no to social gatherings. And of course, you know, if you throw all of these things into the mix when you're already feeling isolated and depressed, it's a bad time mentally. And that was very much where I was at. And then to throw something else into the mix, in February 2022, I lost one of my best friends to suicide, uh, someone who lived in Sydney, who Um, has been one of my best friends for about a decade. I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but he was someone who was really important to me, a past mentor, someone who was one of my besties when I lived in London. And that was also something that really rocked me. And, you know, the year we'd had to this point with a big challenge with a family member who was unwell and obviously our journey and then this and, you know, these COVID times, it felt like our first year of marriage (laughs) had been pretty, pretty brutal and pretty intense. And I also knew that I was going into a time where intuitively I just felt like, okay, I'm going to need some more support to get through this year. And so I hired my friend and past client, Kate Cattle, who I ended up working with for over about a six month period. So Kate was working as a conception and IVF coach at the time. 
and she herself, the journey she's been on is just incredible. She's got a brilliant podcast. If you want to go back and listen to past episodes, she's not actually running it at the moment, but she just has the most incredible back catalog of episodes. And she was so, so crucial in my journey. She guided me through the whole Western medicine process of conception. And I really, really needed that in 2022, which we'll get to not only that, but she just supported me emotionally, spiritually, as I got deeper and deeper into the process. And of course, you know, she's still a dear friend and confidant. So in February, March, 2022, we booked in to see a GP and we started testing. Now we both got tested further as per a recommendation from Nat, a naturopath, Che got something called DNA fragmentation checked of his sperm. So we really love Nat, a naturopath. As I mentioned, she truly is so much more than that role. She's a dietitian. She's got pathology qualifications. She's so smart. And when we got that DNA fragmentation testing that she advised us we get, we got those results and they weren't good. So the GP that we barely knew told us that Chase's sperm was fragmented and likely the only way that we were going to have a baby was through ICSI, which is a process that's part of IVF, where the quality sperm is actually extracted by the embryologist in the lab. So rather than natural selection occurring, there's this additional step in the process so that only the best quality sperm is used. So we went into this GP appointment on a Saturday morning and Che and I got served up this news in the most nonchalant way from a GP that we'd never seen before. Look, neither of us really had ongoing GPs because we're the kind of people that are pretty healthy and don't really go to GPs that often. And we got served up this news that, oh, yep, of course, your next step is not only IVF, but it's actually ICSI. And that's the only thing that you can do to fix this problem. We came home from that appointment and we were just completely devastated. Not only did we not understand, you know, why he had these results. And of course we're worried about his health combined with my PCOS, but we'd been told that our only option was IVF, not only IVF, but ICSI. And that our next step was straight to an IVF clinic. And I should mention here that everything I'm sharing has been approved in full by Che with his permission. So thankfully, you know, this is where having a team of support is so key because Nat, you know, sent us a message almost straight away and was like, look, there are things that we can do naturally here. I don't believe, you know, from, from my practice uh, and what I can advise that that is the only option. And to condense this version of, or this part of the story, because there's so many pieces, Che, within three months, he'd not only turned his results around, but he had gone into optimal range. I was so proud. So his whole approach was like, screw this, I'm healthy and this is not our reality. And he just completely shocked everyone by how he did it. I'm pretty sure my fertility doctor, who I'm about to introduce you to, said some version of, I have never seen anyone turn this around so quickly. And so we 
believe that it was probably a combination of, you know, he just had COVID recently, plus also shift work that had created those results. And he was so, so bullish in his approach to being like, no way, this is not happening. And just went on such a massive, you know, intense increase of his health journey to turn that around. And, you know, we were already healthy at this point. This was like, we just kept going up and up a notch. With mention of my fertility doctor, that leads us to our next step in the process. So after our GP appointment, we requested a referral to the woman that Nat had told us about or had heard was the absolute best in Western Australia, Dr. Tamara Hunter or Dr. T, as you are going to hear me very affectionately refer to her as from here. And after doing my own research, I could see that she looked like someone who truly, genuinely gave a shit about women. I also loved that she was very big on lifestyle because for me, my worst nightmare is always working with a medical team that don't look at the whole picture. So the fact that she was very lifestyle focused and you know, made me think, okay, I know that I'm going to be someone who goes in there very lifestyle focused, very loud about my East meets West approach to this process. Uh, And I kind of anticipated that we would be on the same page, which we absolutely ended up being. We were told that we would have to wait initially to see her until about September, 2022, but with a stroke of some sort of luck, we managed to get in to an appointment in June. I still have no idea how that happened, but again, you know, the universe was on our side and I, I felt that the whole way, like despite coming up against roadblock after roadblock, I just felt that we were so intuitively guided and supported. And in some ways that made the journey even harder because I never, ever lost hope. And so the length of this journey just felt so arduous. You know, I spent two and a half years thinking that our baby was just around the corner, which was both beautiful and completely devastating (laughs) at the same time. So Che and I walk into our first IVF clinic appointment feeling so much trepidation and fear. And, you know, honestly, like that first appointment felt somewhat clinical and frightening There was a lot of information we had to share. You know, I could tell Dr. T was assessing all the information and and really trying to suss out as much as she could. And despite you feeling like you've already been on such a long journey, that first appointment is the first time that your fertility doctor is coming into the process. And so patience is not my strong point. And we're being given this series of tests and next steps so that of course, your fertility doctor can compile their own information. Like, of course, but you know, when you're over a year in, it can feel really frustrating. Like I said, especially for someone like me who has very little patience, we went on to build the most amazing relationship with our doctor. And I would recommend her in every lifetime, but I'm going to get to that. So from June to about September, 2022, my life was all about tests and compiling data. I spent an entire 45 day cycle going to get a blood test every second day so that we could check what was happening with my hormones. I had my tubes flushed, which is basically a process where they put dye into your fallopian tubes and literally flush water and dye through your fallopian tubes to make sure that nothing is blocked. And I'm not going to fear monger around any part of this process, but that was something that I would really like to not do again. (laughs) 
my tubes were clear. I'd go on, you know, later in this process to drive to the fertility clinic up to three times a week, which was a 55 minute drive from my house. So, you know, sometimes I would spend about three hours doing this on top of my workday and not sometimes most of the time, not to mention, obviously, you know, the injections, the appointments, the acupuncture, the emotional toll. And again, I'm going to get to more of this, but the physical load and time of this journey was astronomical. And I would have killed to spend that time raising my baby or up half the night. And instead I was spending about 30 hours a week trying to be pregnant. I can think of so many moments where there would be some sort of like side comment of you don't really understand time until you're a mom. And, and of course I, I get it. Like people don't know what you're going through, but how I would have killed for that time to have been up with a bubba. Uh, or, you know, navigating motherhood instead of being in, in this preconception period. So we went through all those tests and then we returned to Dr. T in September, armed with information. And that was when I began my first protocol. It was here that Dr. T diagnosed me with, in her words, very genetic PCOS. This was so helpful for me to hear because I didn't have cortisol issues. I didn't have insulin issues. I had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, that we have since realized is deeply in my mother line and actually came from my my maternal nana. So my nana experienced a lot in her lifetime, you know, physically and emotionally and This realization was such a huge piece in my journey for me because A, it made me go on this really deep spiritual healing journey to support clearing her trauma at a spiritual level. And B, it it allowed me to remove so much pressure that I'd been putting on myself that I probably didn't even know I was doing. No, I spent so much time up to this point asking myself, like, what is wrong with me? Like, why is everyone else falling pregnant? And I'm not, obviously that's not the case. I've shared those stats, but you know, that's, that's how it felt. And I think being a high performer and someone who's always juggling multiple things, it was easy for people to make assumptions or assume that, you know, maybe I was just stressed or causing myself some sort of physical issues that were causing this. And you know, especially knowing that like at this point I was also deep in my first million dollar business year. I remember saying to Che, I actually feel the least stressed I've ever felt in my life. I do so much nervous system work. I feel all my feelings. I process, I take such good care of myself. I sleep nine hours a night. I just don't feel like I can do anything else. And to then get that information that this PCOS wasn't lifestyle related, but it's, you know, for me, I really viewed it as like, it's my role in this lifetime to go on a journey with this. And again, like keep in mind that I've had a little girl visit me for years. I just, I I always have felt intuitively that I was having a little girl and I just made so much peace and really started aligning to the story of, oh, there's something that I'm supposed to clear in my mother line. Like there's something that I'm doing here. There's a piece that I'm I'm playing or a role that I'm playing here. I get it. And hearing my doctor tell me this, that I'd done, you know, everything that I possibly could and she knew how healthy I was just felt like such a massive relief. 
and something that I really needed to hear at that time, because again, I think I was putting so much pressure on myself. This then led us to, as I mentioned, our next step of the process, which was ovulation induction. And I'm just going to talk briefly about the physical process of ovulation induction and what that looks like, because this was my next chapter. So basically ovulation induction is a hormone induced menstrual cycle. So we knew at this point that despite me being able to ovulate every month, my hormones didn't quite reach the levels that they needed to at the right time. That's the most basic way I can describe this. So ovulation induction is the process of injecting hormones the same way that you do with IVF through your stomach for the first half of the cycle. Then you try naturally on a very strict schedule. (laughs) Niv and I had so many laughs. Of course, Niv, my incredible business manager, knew what was going on because she really needed to. Knowing uh, that she manages my life and my calendar and all those things. um, We had quite a few laughs about the amount of times that I literally put have sex with Che in my calendar. (laughs) I'd try and get creative there for a while, but then it just ended up being like, have sex with Che in my calendar because we were on such a schedule around it. And, you know, you also take additional progesterone support in the second half of your cycle. So it's a big process, but it's still slightly less big than IVF in that, you know, the process of conception still occurs naturally, or at least that's the aim. So in September, we began that process and we did three rounds of ovulation induction. In the first round, my ovulation window was missed because my body responded so quickly to the medication. Uh, And this is the random thing about my body is that like it did respond so well to Western medicine and we just had to get the dosages right, which took such a long time. In the second round, I got COVID and in the third round, it, it, it just didn't work. So we're in December of 2022 at this point, and I am just feeling absolutely incredibly defeated. And I, I want to break up this episode and I've talked so much about the intense, practical, physical, medical side of things, and obviously explaining the story because there are a lot of really tangible, practical things to explain it start to end. And I just want to talk a little bit more about like how I was feeling and bring you into where I was at at this point. So we're in December now of 2022, December last year, a year ago, if you're listening to this in real time. And if I'm really honest, I don't know how to communicate with you the depths of pain and suffering that we were both feeling at this point. By this time, I have probably all up seen over a hundred negative pregnancy tests. I was really hopeful because, you know, we had next steps in a process, which I'll come to, but I was just feeling so incredibly defeated. Like at this point, we've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on support. And my gosh, I cannot tell you the, the gratitude I have for the privilege of being able to do that because I know there are so many people that don't have that option. We were tired. We were broken. We were desperately desiring a baby. We felt so isolated from loved ones, like so isolated. And as I talk about this, it feels really important to tell you that Che and I have 
incredibly close family and friends. We are so loved and supported, but we also felt so alone and they have felt so alone. You know, the overwhelming majority of our friends had children at this point and the ones that didn't had decided that they didn't want children in this lifetime. My inner inner circle was devoid of anyone who'd been on a conception journey that involved Western medicine support. I chose not to participate in like a lot of IVF community groups because quite honestly, I find that the majority of the community is so negative and that's just not my vibe. We had a niece and nephew who were growing up and these babies were and still are this little symbol of time passing. You know, every time I look at my nephew, I still see a little boy who would be the same age as our firstborn if we hadn't experienced extended conception. And, you know, I feel clearly, I feel emotion around that still. I feel peace around that now, but I've also experienced deep sadness and grief around that. It was like we had constant mirrors to life continuing forward for everyone around us. And Shay and I just felt like we're in this time warp where our life wasn't moving forward, but it was, and we were just stuck and there was nothing we could do about it. I wanted to let you know that spaces will be released for my Swift Mind Scaled Mastermind in 2024 very, very soon. If you want to be coached by me to scale to multi six and seven figures and access one of these super limited spaces of a mastermind that always sells out, here's what you need to know and go ahead and do. You need to be on the waitlist. Elliswift.com forward slash waitlist. Jump on over and make sure you're on the waitlist to find out the information. If you know you're really interested, I'd also encourage you to make yourself known. You can do that by sliding into my DMs and sharing that you'd love to find out more about Swift Mind Scaled for 2024. So the waitlist again is elliswift.com forward slash waitlist and then slide on into my DMs after and make yourself known. Let's now dive back into the episode. So in terms of you know, the personal support I'm going to get to, to Che and, and talk about him in just a moment. But outside of him, for me personally, I've had three girlfriends plus my incredible friend and coach Lacey, who basically said to me, I am here every step of the way. Like each of those humans said some version of I'm here every single step of the way. You know, these girlfriends were and still are my daily confidants. They knew my IVF schedule inside out. They knew the highs and lows. They knew the intensity of how big the process was, how I was trying to juggle life, how I was running a business where, you know, no one knew what was going on. They got it. And in addition to that support squad and our family, I have the most amazing girlfriends. Like I'm so, so lucky, incredible, incredible friends outside of this as well. But these, these four women and they know who they are just absolutely got me through. And for me, you know, the most incredible person in all of this has been my husband. And I don't know how I'm supposed to talk about him without crying. (laughs) I don't think I can. 
you know, from like holding me while I have sobbed many, many times on the bathroom floor. You know, I've spent so many nights where I'd wake up at 2am and just be sobbing silently and trying not to wake him up. And he would wake up and just rub my back for hours. And he just said to me at every point, I'm right here with you, we're a team. We're going to get through this. And I think about the woman that I've been during this time. And I've had so many moments where I've just felt not myself. You know, I've, I've always felt, felt sparkly and positive and happy. And I, I lost, I lost that these last few years. And he still loved me through every single part of it. And I just can't even describe how much that support has got me through. You know, they say that moments like this in your life are the moments that like, you know, they, they bring you closer together or they tear you apart. And the partnership that I have with Che, I I know like it is just the most solid thing that I'm most sure of in my entire life. And, you know, he had so many of his own moments of despair and devastation and deep sadness. You're probably listening to this going, obviously this is my perspective, right? Like you're probably listening to this going, how did Che feel in all of this? And he was right there with all of it, devastated. And he met me every step of the way. You know, I've howled and screamed and shuddered in pain, both physically and emotionally. I've been the worst version of myself. He has met me at every single version and loved me so fully through it, telling me how proud he is, you know, how I kept showing up for for me and for him and this baby in our life. And it, it's just been insane that at a really practical level for both ovulation induction and IVF, which I'll get to, Che did every single injection, every single one, every injection. And there have been over a hundred. So that's not counting blood tests. That's not counting acupuncture, just the, the IVF injections. There's been over a hundred and Che has put every single one in my stomach. I used to call him my mad scientist because at times he'd be mixing up to four injections to go in my stomach at once. And like, they're telling me how brave I was at the same time. You know, I used to have a needle phobia before this, and now I'm basically used to being a pincushion. So I just wanted to take a moment, you know, before I round out this first episode and share with you a little bit about my support squad, uh, because I know that for this road, I could not have done it without my team of support, you know, both personally and our medical team. It's just been so huge. The other person I haven't mentioned yet, who has been such a huge support for me is my acupuncturist. So Queenie, who is at B&Q Acupuncture in Subiaco, say I sent you, she is just so, so amazing. And again, has been there every step of the way, the most smart woman I've just been so, so supported. So we came into December, 2022 at this 
fork in the road and our biggest challenges still ahead of us. And I'm going to share those with you in part two, which is our IVF journey, a story of loss, and ultimately how we came to fall pregnant with our baby. I'll be back for part two very, very soon. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode. 